Hello, I'm Yolanda Brown and welcome to the podcast that delves into the world of classical music and beyond. If it's your first time joining us here, then welcome. We have some exciting new features in Series 6, including questions from you. So come on in. Today, I'm joined by the London Philharmonic Orchestra's leader of the cello section, Christina Blaumanner, and trombone player Mark Templeton, also known as Tempo. And we're going to get inside the world of auditions. The word might even make you feel nervous right now, but I want to find out what it's all about. It's so great to have you back on the podcast, Christina and Mark. Hi, Yolanda. Nice to see you again. Hi, Yolanda. Hi, welcome back. Right. Auditions. Take me back. Christina, can you remember your first ever audition? I do remember my first audition and that's amazing how calm I was when I was that young because my first audition was when I was 18 years old and this is how I got my first job in Latvia and uh, this is amazing at that age first of all you just don't realize what a big deal it is the audition and what a big deal to getting a job it is because at that time I just thought okay I'll do this audition and if I get it fine if not I will just still continue studying I can't even remember what I played to be honest it was just something so ordinary yeah. that I did anyway among you know along along my studies and did it for the Latvian Philharmonic Chamber Orchestra and that was my first job in the first two years three years before I moved to London There is something in it in approaching an interview or auditions almost like the world doesn't depend on this it's kind of it happens, it doesn't. Yes, There's other things absolutely. in the fire. It is. And also, I think it's just with age, we become so much more aware of how little we know and how many mistakes we make. And it's so much more at stake. You know, I'm much more critical to myself now than I was 10 years ago and certainly than I was 25 something years ago. So I think it's just becoming more hard. We are becoming more hard on ourselves as well as we grow up probably and getting older <laughs> and wiser, hopefully. Do you remember your last audition? What's the contrast in there? Well, my last audition was for this orchestra, London Philharmonic Orchestra, which is quite natural since I'm here. So I I mean, I I haven't done it, to be honest, many auditions in my life. I think I've done uh, four and three successfully because I had three jobs and one not successfully. So... Mm -hmm. The last one in Zelpia. I mean, of course, I remember my preparation for it. I remember not sleeping before properly and arriving at the venue and uh, entering the room. And I remember there was a big lunch break. It wasn't actually an official audition day, but it was just Oxford was rehearsing and then they had a lunch break and then they asked people to clear the room and just left the panel and whoever was there wanted to listen to audition. So the whole thing, while I was waiting for people to leave the room, this whole anticipation and this whole just feeling nauseous. I remembered that very well. However, because I already came into LPO to do a bit of guest work, that's just because it's such a nice orchestra. There was also a lot of smiles, encouraging smiles already from the people that listened to my audition. That probably is not always the case, but it definitely was an LPO. That's really nice. I'm I'm liking that that contrast and sort of, yeah, the wanting the role really makes it different. Tempo, tell me, can you remember your first ever audition? First audition for a professional job was for the World Philharmonic Orchestra in about, uh, I'm going to say 2000, something like that, or maybe 99. There was a, a guy that had been playing lots of principal trombone with the orchestra, a guy called Graham Lee, an amazing trombone player who was had just left the Guildhall when I had started there. And everyone said, oh, he's going to get that job. It's, he's definitely going to get that job. And that first audition, out of, I think I did about 
eight or nine auditions in total, and I think I got about seven trials. And from that point on, even before I got a, a trial with the RPO, I decided that I was going to look at the whole auditioning and trialing process, not as a way to get a job, but actually just a way to learn more. So from the first audition, I learned more. I, I learned about how prepared I needed to be and, and actually how much fun I could have in the audition. I really enjoyed doing auditions. I liked putting myself out there and going, right, this is what I do. You want this, don't you? And then even when I got into having trials with, you know, with orchestras, I never, ever thought about getting the job because I always presumed, and it was not, not fake modesty, I always presumed that there's people that they're more experienced than me, know the people better, slot in better because I'm you know, still relatively inexperienced. So all I'm going to do is, in this audition then in the trial, is play my best and keep my mouth shut and listen and absorb and, and learn so the next uh, audition and the next trial I was a little bit more sorted. It's a really good way to look at it, actually, because, you know, a phrase that my mum always used to say and still says now is it's all part of life's rich tapestry. You know, everything that we do is adding to the next step of whatever we're going to do next. So it's a really nice outlook. It's also a great way of not putting expectation on yourself. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves, I think, unnecessarily. And what Christina was alluding to with a friendly panel, when you walk in with a smile on your face, even if you've got a grumpy panel, some people will smile. And do you remember your, your last audition? I think the last audition before that might have been for the Tonhaller Orchestra in Zurich. I'd been playing with the orchestra already. I'd been recording Mahler 2 with them. And I'd never done a European audition before, as in mainland Europe, and never done an audition behind a screen. And more importantly, I'd never played the Ferdinand David Trombone Concerto with a piano tuned to 443 instead of 440. Uh, just give us some information about tuning for those that don't understand. Basically, we tune in the UK, we tend to tune to an A, which is at 440 hertz. And in Europe, they tend to tune higher to 443, which is a, a, obviously a higher frequency. So, so the, the, the pitch is very slightly higher. Um, no, but I know that, for instance, German system bassoons find it harder tuning lower to 440 because it does kind of change a lot of the sort of in, internal kind of tuning and things. Some instruments are made to be played at that you know, sort of level. I've never actually tried to find out where we tend to tune lower. It does give a different sound. In the LPO, we do try and keep it there. So as soon as I came in, I tuned, but the tuning on the trombone is quite random anyway, you know, big moving pipe. And as soon as I came in, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit low, aren't I? I've got a sharp and everything. But eventually you run out of space. You can't get any higher on the slide. And, and also it affected where I was coming in in the middle of notes, where I, you know, I, was, oh, so I was backing off from things. And instantly I was thinking about technique and I was thinking about how I was doing things rather than the music I wanted to make, uh, which we all know is, is how we move, we, we play the best is when we're just playing instinctively. Yeah. And it's one of those typical ones, you know, it, it ends with you know, and that was it. In um, screened auditions, you take a, a number from a hat and that says when you're going to come in the day, you know, and I think I'd drawn like 20th or something like that. When I said to the auditions referee, whatever his name was, I said, oh, I'm on 20th. I'm, I'm just going to pop out for a coffee. And the look on his face, the fact that I was leaving the building was just like, no, you People don't do that. People stay. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not on for ages. I'm going to go and get a cup of tea. Because when you're in a room with 30 trombone players all going... You know, it's terrible. Because you hear all these people play. It's, oh, should I play like that? Should I play like that? Oh, he's good, isn't he? Oh, he's not very good. And, and again, you're not thinking about how you want to play. You're reacting to all those things. So I mean, even in that audition, I had, a, I had headphones on and was listening to... 
heavy metal or something just to kind of you know get me out of the zone. Auditions, I think, in our sort of part of the world, on our island, are so much more player friendly than they are. I mean, just the idea that you need to stay there in that room that you probably played your first round and then you need to hang around all day and not knowing when exactly you need to peak, when you, which is the moment when you need to peak and play your best. Or, and then, of course, like listening to other people warming up is the, is the worst. It's really cruel. <laughs> And I just want to break down some technical things that came across in there. So what is a screened audition? Well, Tempo, since you had an experience with a screen audition, you <laughs> yeah. explain it exactly, because I've never done okay, one sorry. behind the screen. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. Gosh. So a screened audition is basically in the US and in Europe and, and most countries. And we've started doing it here now to an extent with blind video auditions. So when people send in a video, then the video track will be removed. So all we're given as a panel is just the audio before this amazing technology came around. Basically, yeah, the panels sit behind a screen or behind a curtain so that they can't see who's coming in. Always there'd be a carpet on the floor as well, which is meant to disguise what shoes the people are wearing because that could be an indication as to whether whether they're male or female. Or you know, I remember um, Lee Samaklis, our tuba player. He told me a story that he went somewhere in Luxembourg. Yeah, on a plane, travelling all these hours, travelling through the night to get there, and got the audition. Went into the audition and basically said uh, before playing, just said, "Oh, you know, can I have a B flat." Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, done. Destin's because because away the because game. It, yeah because given away that he was male so it was an identifying thing so literally that was his audition he travelled all there can I be flat sorry you're out. <laughs> oh no. Um, oh yeah yeah it's it's it'd be brutal even things like coughing if you cough <clears throat> like that the idea being that you could be sending the panel a secret message to say that's you or oh. uh, whatever the, the rules are really 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 tight. So is this to promote a more fair and inclusive way of auditioning people? So, you know, it's not about who you know or who you are. It's about how you sound. That's the idea. So it does appear as fair as possible. However, I've also heard a story of someone going into an audition and there was just a little crack down sort of in between two of these panels. And the audition, I won't say where or when, but the audition, kind of like thought you know, before they played, they just went up to the, the little crack and put their eye against it just to see if they could see the panel. Oh, there was someone at the other side doing exactly <laughs> doing the same the same. thing, trying to, peering, peering through oh, to no. see who it was that was auditioning. Oh, so no. I'm not going to say that, that anyone breaks the rules, but... I think some people do break the rules, yes. but I'm not saying it breaks the rules. Just the idea that indeed, what if you need to cough? Do you need to then just cancel your audition just because you yeah. Had, yeah. A, had a little cold or a little sort of scratchy yeah. throat and you flew all the way with your tuba or your cello, paid an extra seat and booked a hotel or, you know, it's not particularly necessarily choosing the best player, but just the luckiest no. player. There was something else that you've spoken about there, Tempo, which is the actual process. The audition is just the beginning, right? Uh, You spoke about trials. So you have obviously application, audition, trials and then selection. Christina, what's your experience of trials before I go back to auditions? Well, first of all, I think probably our audition experience and the whole process is slightly bit different with brass and strings because being a part of the string section, especially if you're going for a tutti rank and file position or even a numbered position that, you know, you play part of the section. So it is essential for the panel to hear your, your level of your instrumental playing before you get to the trial process. Trial, obviously, especially in this country, is, I would say, the most important 
step, again, at least for string players, because you play an audition as a solo instrument. I mean, I've been on so many panels and I've definitely also learned how to listen and how to spot out the right sort of person that we are looking for that I think would fit in our section or fit for whatever role we are auditioning them for. But still they're playing this individual audition. And then the most important thing is they're work with the section, how they mm. collaborate with the section, how they fit in, even how nice colleagues they are, because they're sharing a stand, you know, how much they're aware that someone else is playing from the same music as they, how they fit and contribute with their sound into the section, how they can match their intonation, their vibrato, I mean, all, all of these little details that they are so, so important. And also for certain roles, different, I mean, obviously, there's a, a different requirement or different accent or stress, particularly for a solo instrument solo like being a leader of the section and different from somebody who plays in the inside the section yeah trials can go up to even some years we as we know in UK there have been some cases when it was stretched almost up to I don't know five six years wow. I mean, which sounds wow, absolutely wow. insane we can choose several people on trial right. uh, give them trials and then we tried them out and invite them on separate patches of work also, the way we work is pretty unimaginable for the rest of the Europe, the speed and the repertoire, the amount of repertoire that we play. I mean, certain people are suited for this and certain people are certainly not suited for, for that kind of speed and being so flexible when there's no time to discuss and to sort of spoon feed, you know, every phrase, every note where we place it. It's just you need to be immediately on the spot, quick understanding, moving forward, moving forward. This is why probably our trial process are so strict and so, so important. And that trial process then, it's kind of, you know, the musician is trialling the orchestra, but the orchestra is also trialling the musician. Is there ever a time when a musician will, after a trial period, say, actually, it's not for me? Does that happen? Yeah. It does happen. Another way I used to think about trialling and, and auditions and stuff is that and I say to my students, you know, you can't make the job yours, as in either the job will suit you or it won't, or the orchestra will be right for you or the orchestra won't be right for you. Yes. And when you've got the trial, you have to play how you play. Mm. Of course, yeah, you, you got, can't go roughshod over how the orchestra plays. However, you've still got to play like yourself. You know, one trial I did, I had one member of the orchestra give me a bit of feedback saying sometimes your Sport Sandy in the Marla that we were playing a little bit abrupt for what the sound that the section is making now. We used to make that sound, but now we, we, with different personnel, we, we slightly softer grained. And so we, we'd like it a bit more gentle, if that's OK. But then I asked someone from a different section who was also in part of the brass uh, section. I asked him for his opinion, which I really valued. And he said to me, if you change anything, I'll kick your teeth in. <laughs> so... What do you do? So, <laughs> yeah, I just had to decide to kind of just carry on doing what I was doing. And then the LPO was the orchestra that said, you know, hey, we like what you're doing. You know, That's so, amazing. I what I like about LPO, at least my experience, the panels that I've been to, which is pretty much, I mean, all the string panels have been on. When the people come in and play, we really try to make them as relaxed and as welcome as possible because I think it is not our job to fail people. I mean, of course, one can make an absolutely impossible situation that everyone, even the most confident player, will just crack. But this is not Mm. our work. We need... It's the same like with a passport photo or visa photos. They're they're so horrible. They don't resemble anything how we look in real life, right? So why then an unrecognisable? So we need to see what the person actually is, what they can offer. So we want to have the most honest 
result. Of course, they will be under pressure, but what they really are rather than what we want them to be. That's nice to hear. Now, take me through the LPO audition process then. So you say you sit on, on the panels as well. What is it like? The musician has put their application in, they've got an audition. What happens next? Now we have a slightly bit different system since we're now introducing the two rounds. Uh, So we have the first round, which is only the audio audition. So they send a video that we don't see, that only our administration, they see, making sure that the video is unedited and it's really the Mm -hmm. person playing there, not just some famous wildness recording, you know. AI. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And then the panel gets only the audio, a little sort of um, recording without a name, just with a number. And they play absolutely the same excerpt, the same whatever is required. And after that, we choose which people we invite to audition, to actually come to audition room. So that's a new system that is kind of in order to make much more inclusive and much and, and mostly also because, of course, it's difficult sometimes to judge people just by their CVs. I mean, of course, there are some CVs which are so clearly that these people deserve to, to be invited to auditions. But there are also so many people that come out of college just now or come from different other countries that we don't know no- nothing about their sort of musical life and achievements and orchestras. And we at the moment have several positions that are actually auditioning. And one of them is also cello section because we have several vacancies in cello section at the moment. First of all, I I always want to make sure, because I myself, I'm tall girl, and it's very important that the chair is high. So I think, because we all come in different sizes, the chair needs to be adjustable. So making sure that there is a piano stool that they can adjust if the person is shorter, higher, taller, make sure that they can play their best. They are normally required to play two first movement of two concertos. One of them is normally a classical cello case, a Haydn concerto. So normally we listen to exposition. Then there is a contrasting concerto, which is of the Romantic era or 20th century era, something that requires slightly bit different approach. After that, we listen to the excerpts, depending on what position they're auditioning for. So obviously for principal positions and for numbered positions that sit at the front of the section, we listen to a lot of solo excerpts, you know, big, important cello solos or violin, viola solos. And there's always also a tutti excerpt. Normally these selections are pretty much the same in all the orchestras. There'll always be Richard Strauss's Don Juan for most of the string instruments, violin, viola, cello. There's going to be Mendelssohn, Midsummer Night's Dream. There's going to be Beethoven, um, uh, Fifth Symphony, the second movement. There's the entrance of, it starts with, with the cellos and violas. There's going to be Brahms, second symphony, second movement, which is very telling except for a cellist. And then, of course, there will be slight variations. As we are also placed in opera in Glyndebourne, we definitely will be some opera excerpt as well. Audition itself takes about 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, if we are really, especially for a solo position, excerpt slightly bit longer, a bit more. And after that, we will thank them and <laughs> have a maybe one minute of discussion or sometimes not even that, and we'll listen to the next person. That's pretty much the audition process. And Tempo, how do the auditions vary depending on instrument? The last auditions that I've been involved in were for co-principal trumpet, of which we just appointed uh-huh, uh, yes. Tom Nielsen. Mm. And that meant the panel. So we were a panel of seven, I think. say Seven people. And we all had to listen to all 70-odd, 80-odd recordings 
they were all, I think, a little bit of a solo piece and then three or four excerpts, four or five excerpts. So it's about sort of eight to ten minutes. Wow. Eight to ten minutes times by 80. I think we worked out at about 10 hours or something something ridiculous. It's very much the same. And then when they come into the audition, I normally set for, if it's for trombone audition, don't hate me, Christina, I set the Bach cello suite just because I want to be able to hear the sound. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, just, just, just a little, just, just one of the sarabands, you know, not, not, not one of the really fancy ones. But the solo piece, which is, I mean, it's for all instruments, the solo piece is your opportunity to really show kind of musicality and, and musical intent and a nice sound and a nice technique and, and you're basically you're real bearing your soul with your solo piece. And then with your orchestral excerpts, you basically have to let the panel know that you really know the music. Yeah. So we have the same things. We have always have Ride of the Valkyries. We always have the, the march from Domination of Faust. We always have the, the solo from the slow movement of Samson Organ Symphony. The two-bar mirror from Mozart Requiem. You know, it's Master of Mozart Bolero because it's, it, it's, it's high and sweet and, and different character and, and all, the, all these different things. In all these excerpts, I try to tell my students that the panel know all of these pieces so well yes. that as soon as you start playing on the panel we've got the soundtrack in our head it's like karaoke for us we've, it's instantly there so if someone's pulling something around you know making too much vibrato you know that that's not going to work in the orchestra and then you know that well maybe they don't know the music or maybe they haven't listened to the music enough I mean it's not their fault if they haven't played it in an orchestra but you start, you can listen to recordings and, and get an idea of the feel and, and hear how other people can do it and what it's got to slot in with And who picks the excerpts and also who is on the panel? Who's it made up of? For the brass panel, people from the direct section. So, mm. for instance, trumpets. So we had our other two trumpet players on the panel. And then it's me because I first of all, the trombones play with the trumpets, so kind of related. And then some other people invited to have an interest. So we had two trumpets, trombone, tuba, French horn, and Simon Carrington on, you know, on, on timpani because timpani has a lot to do mm. with trumpets. So it's members of the orchestra that would be on the panel. Yeah, yes, always members of the orchestra. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We have started having kind of uh, external people in as well, coming to see how we do things and yeah. to see that we're kind of playing fair and stuff. There are sometimes kind of you know, people visiting in. For the first stage, that's kind of... But we try to have a, a mixture of voices and opinions. So that we, Because sometimes even someone in the section might be underwhelmed by someone's playing but all the rest of us are like hang on a minute no, we, we need to yeah. see what that's quite good can we try that out in the orchestra and see if it works in the orchestra that, uh, that and, happens and then, quite often know. actually I find it yeah. it can sometimes be I find it particularly maybe in your part of the world which meaning the, the brass and wind because of the <laughs> this very solo exposure and maybe indeed because everyone else really they hear these people so you know with everyone else actually really form an opinion but I also remember that in, in our auditions that in sometimes the, the people that play that instrument are maybe sometimes less impressed than the others because people hear something else and there's often this kind of like professional almost oh I do it like with this fingering so why are they using different you know it's almost sometimes it's it's quite good to have a sort of mind opening that looking from a different yes. different perspective that's a really good point yeah. and so each person on the panel has an equal vote does it go by vote so how do you decide who yeah who gets well through? i mean in our in our auditions we of course because we have larger sections so we have normally the majority of people will be from the section not it's not going to be any more the entire section but majority of the people from the section and then there'll always be 
probably other principles, other string principles or other numbered uh, players, depending on the position. Normally, everyone has an equal vote. But of course, there is, for example, if we are auditioning a Tutti member of, let's say, a viola section or, or, or violin section or cello section, then a principal of that section probably will have a little bit more input in terms of, I mean, mm. let's say if there's, they don't see it working with that person at all, they will not work out. Probably, I think that the rest of us will not push because it's, it's very important, of course, than the section principal because section principle does form the section and the sound of the section. It's very much, of, of course, also their personality. And sometimes, sometimes there can be maybe not the right chemistry with the player and that you understand it will not, it will not work. Yes. But in general, everyone has an equal vote. I haven't really come across a situation when there'll be everyone against one principle. That never has happened in history of all my panels that I've been to. Normally, it's a very healthy discussion. It's not just voting and, you know, you know sort no. of anonymously. It's actually mm. a discussion. And sometimes I, I remember I've had some really nice, and I, I would stress out, healthy debates with the rest of the panel about someone. And actually, people convinced me because, well, wow. you know, they kind of, I, I saw their point and I was very grateful that they did convince me because later that person actually got offered the job. I'm not going to say who that was. Of course, of course. <laughs> Well, here on LPO Offstage, on this series, we've got some drop-in feature questions. Uh, some of them quick fire, some of them actually from our listeners. So I've got a listener question for you both from Isabella underscore Morgan 03. And Isabella says, how do you stay positive and motivated even when things become a bit overwhelming? Tempo, you've given us some good advice already. What else have you got? I think by focusing on playing music, because music's transportative, can yeah, say that? Yeah. I can be having a terrible day or a busy day. You know, like for instance, on a concert day, we'll do three hours rehearsing in the morning, and then on that afternoon might be the only chance I've got to go in and do four hours teaching. So I'll go and do some teaching, and then come back to the concert. And sometimes I will be really tired. You know, I've got would have been up at six o'clock making the the kids' lunches for for school and doing things. And when it gets to the, the concert, sometimes I I am really really tired when it comes to the start of a concert, but. As soon as there's the audience there and the music's in front of me, it's like, right, that's what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on what I want to do, the sound. It literally is. I focus on the music. I mean, also, generally, positivity-wise, I'm very much a glass-half-full person. I am just always look for the positives in everything. So, you know, however stressful things are around the orchestra or what I'm doing, it's always lovely to go into an orchestra where I'm friends with all the people around me and I feel respected and valued and remember what you, what's good in your life, you know? See those um, silver yeah. linings. Uh, yeah. Christina, how do you stay positive and motivated? Well, pretty much I can answer the same like Tempo did. I think throughout my life, in the most difficult and the most happiest times, actually music is somehow always the channel in which I can really, you know, that speaks directly to my heart and gives me both healing and energy and everything and happiness and, and joy and everything. And and I also sometimes, obviously, especially on tours, you're so tired of doing the concert every day and not just the concert. What is particularly tiring is the traveling, is the, the waiting in lines, the, the suitcases, the trains, delays, the no rooms ready, etc., etc., but then at the end of the day, you walk on stage and you think, oh, possibly can't play a note. I'm so dead tired. And yet we start playing Marlowe or Sibelius or, or Brahms or Beethoven. And at the end of the concert, I'm completely 
you know, transformed and I'm there and I enjoyed every minute of it. And it's really is the music. It's not why we do it. I mean, it's our life is what gives us everything. It is hard sometimes to keep me motivated, but sometimes I don't want to play the trombone. But I, I find pieces of music that I enjoy playing. You know, there's uh, Mark Nightingale, a really good um, book of jazz studies for trombone that I've got with a nice little backing. I stick those on and start playing at, num- at number one. Obviously, I don't swing anywhere near as well as Mark Nightingale does. But it's fun trying. Yes. Um, and after half an hour of it on my face, I feel like I've had a bit of a workout and then I've had some music around me. And, and during lockdown, if I felt like unmotivated, I would put on a recording and play along to it. So I remember playing along to uh, Brahms 1 that we'd recorded with uh, Vladimir Yarovsky. Nice. The trombone's only playing the last movement. So I pressed play, I had my trombone there, pressed play and sat there and had a bottle of wine. Oh, you can't do that on stage. And, 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 and I sat there and, and I listened to the whole piece and then came in at the end with, with my noise cancelling headphones on. It felt, honestly, it felt like I was, I'd done the concert and I'd forgotten that on some of those earlier LPO live recordings, they used to leave the applause on, which was a really nice oh. touch, but I'd completely forgotten. So imagine I'd not, I'd not done a concert for like six weeks, which was weird anyway and then all of a sudden f- discovering that I could get actually a real buzz from playing along to music and then when it when it finished this applause yeah, coming applause. In, my, in my headphones was just like <laughs> wow um, that's really good so, like yeah. go to your happy place where do you feel happy playing exactly. music and let that fuel you but the other thing is what thinking about auditions and I just want to maybe just remind people who, who are auditioning and who are obviously going through and I understand audition is a stressful thing that's always will be first of all if one can have such an approach as tempo please take it because I would yes. love to if that if, if he sells it in bottles I will buy it because it's <laughs> such a healthy attitude it's fantastic bravo really that's amazing don't put everything on stake go in there have a great time you don't like me fine I'll go somewhere else do another audition that's exactly the attitude one should have but what I want to remind people that don't be too afraid to actually come in and show what you have on your heart musically mm. because we sit there and we listen to on a day the not 20 players playing pretty much the same repertoire pretty much the same concerto more or less maybe the second excerpts the same the same the same those who remember are not the ones who had one you know shift missed or or maybe there's something little crack there and then the ones that came in and presented something musically that's something that made us all just lift our heads and eyes and ears and listen to that person that they had something to offer to say and I think this is so important things will never be perfect and thank God for that we are not you know obviously we are trying to be as better and better as we can but it's not the goal at the end of the day the music is about something else and it's not always about perfection now then (laughs) you're on tour (laughs) you're on tour and you can only have it's almost like a desert island discs one thing it could be an invention that you've made that really gets you through that you can't travel without to play your instrument to do your job what is it that you need it could be a diy kettle steamer earplugs long life milk or something you've made up what do you need to have with you one item on tour christina it's going to be so disappointing, but I will say cough sweets. I'd no. never go on stage without them. <laughs> and you're not even a singer. I absolutely love that. Tempo. <laughs> I could say European plug adapter, but I'll, I'll say travel speaker, my little Bose speaker. Travel, oh, that's a whole nother podcast just right there, but it's been absolutely <laughs> wonderful to speak to you. Such valuable words of advice as well, I know, to our listeners. So thank you so much, Tempo and Christina. Thank you. Thank you, Yolanda. Love to see you again.
Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Christina Blamina and Mark Templeton, or Tempo as I know him as now, for giving us such an insight into the process of auditioning, trialling and getting a seat in the orchestra and also their essential tour item. Well, if you'd like to send in any questions for us to ask on future episodes of LPO Offstage, please email them to offstage at lpo.org.uk. No question is too big or too small. Keep in touch on social media, Twitter and Instagram. And thank you for listening. Do join me for the next episode of LPO Offstage. I'll see you then. 